Welcome to the Much More Than Medicare podcast. My name is Jay O. I'm the author of Maximize Your Medicare, the official website for the book, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. In today's episode, it's a broadcast of the YouTube video, which was just posted a few days ago. We discuss the five big things that everyone must keep in mind when it comes to thinking through your Medicare options and your timeline. In addition to that, I discuss the individual health insurance deadline, which is coming up on August 15th. Seems like a long time away, two months. I promise you it's coming quickly. I've known some changes need to be made and we've made them. So this is the website for the book, MaximizeYourMedicare.com. They're showing on your screen, also in the text in the description. So what we've done here is we've pointed out, highlighted the other things that revolve around Medicare because there are a lot of moving parts. I get all of that. Yes, it's much more than a simple guide. That's why I call the channel much more than Medicare, because the fact of the matter is inside there builds a logic, a logic of how to look through a lot of different financial topics so that you can focus in on the signal and not be distracted by a bunch of noise, including here on YouTube, by the way. But let's keep continuing. Yes, experts about the book said about the book. These aren't your everyday readers. I Grant that, whether that be you know journalists from retirement uh, retirement journalists or elder law attorneys, where I've spoken in front of, you know, lawyers. It's more about this section here, which is that I reformatted the site. I, we reformatted the site so to be much more than that. There are a lot of other locations. Yes, there's this YouTube that you're seeing now. There's also podcast. There are questions you can ask me directly. We'll go to that page in a few moments. Importantly here, you know, someone remarked to me, you know, Jay, it's not clear to me that you can actually provide private guidance. That section's here. Okay. The reality is, the reality is, is that while I do do that, I also recognize the fact that lots of you out there, you're never going to call. <laughs> you're just not. You don't like financial people. You think I'm a snake oil salesperson. You don't want to get a phone call, even though I'm never going to share your information, contact information. I've got regulations around me. That would be a very bad idea for me to be sharing your private information with anyone. Very bad. Anyway, some of you are not convinced. We live in a skeptical society. I get it. So the, thus the free resources. It is important to stay up to date. We're going to get into, you know, kind of my five top hints, even before learning a single thing about Medicare. We'll get to that in a moment. One of them is going to be about staying up to date. 
Yes, what clients say. People have said nice things. Thank you very much. And a contact form. So let's go to the other sections because here, importantly, is something called Medicare Info. We don't need to see this ad. So here it is, right? All of those publicly available grids about what gets paid for, what doesn't. It sits here. In addition, Medigap coverage sits here. This you can find in other sources here. I just kind of consolidated into one spot for you. Importantly is down here where there's other information. Sometimes when you enroll in Medicare, we've got these other steps. You can enroll online. Sometimes there are additional forms. Sometimes you're, those forms need to back out and maybe you're going to cancel your Medicare. Maybe you want to see the, the official government documents about you know Medicare and you, whether that be about choosing a Medigap policy. All of that's consolidated here for you, all of it. And there's even more, which is you can see that, let's just see if this is going to actually bring up the site correctly. I think it is. So what's, so you can actually get quotes on part D as well as Medicare Advantage in your area, right? You can get your quotes here. In addition to that, you can actually get Medigap quotes here. And finally, if you're here, the reason I included the pre-65 individual health insurance link is because I realized that, you know, there are, for example, married couples. It's an important, subtle, but very, very important. When a married couple comes to me, I don't end up asking about the person who is turning Medicare eligible. I end up focusing on the person who's not on Medicare. It's a higher cost. The sticker price is higher for insurance pre-Medicare. You know this, 64-year-old person versus a 65-year-old person, right? 65-year-old on Medicare, far less expensive, lower premiums, superior coverage. Crazy people write books about it. 64, 63 spouse, this person becomes the determinant of the financial outcome of the household. In addition to that, that's been modified some to, to a large degree as a result of the ARP, American Rescue Plan, Biden Care is what I've called it. Only about you know 10 videos over the past few months I've been highlighting this. Why? Because it changes, it shifts the financial outcome for the household. And my focus here, and it, on all of your retirement planning is basically one of those dominoes. It starts here at healthcare cost planning. I can't reiterate that enough. When people come to me for comprehensive financial planning services, right, where I see and look at every component, every segment, where I do do that, I start at healthcare cost planning. I start there. Uh, there are, of course, other questions. You know, we get questions about dental and vision down here. You can get your quotes over here. I just thought to highlight these extra resources 
that exist here on MaximizerMedicare.com. Of course, you can get your Medicare enrollment uh, guidance from me, uh, from us here. Many cases, I'm going to do it myself. Tell you what I'm going to do. You're here on the YouTube channel. You already know I exist there. Some stuff about me that, you know, I don't really highlight. Okay. It's really to just attach your common sense to kind of demystify, turn down the temperature on all the amount of crossfire, right and wrong. The only goal is for you to find your best solution. It's why I wrote Maximize Your Medicare, because people get confused by the noise. MaximizeYourMedicare.com is reformatted now. Please check it out. couple quick updates about some certain things that have crossed uh, over the news and just to keep you up to date on current events. The American Rescue Plan, which is COVID relief, one of the COVID relief acts, it has allowed for this open enrollment, this special election period, special enrollment period, for those persons who are not yet Medicare eligible. That deadline is August 15th. There it is, August 15. That leaves two months pretty much from today. That two months will go by quickly. You can look at the other videos, many other videos that I've posted, right? How important it is, how big the savings can be. Unfortunately, as you could have seen from prior videos, all, it looks like lots of numbers are of people who are adopting this. But as is not as expected, most people either don't know or they're not checking even if they have existing health insurance. So this is a very important fact, which is that if you are already getting the subsidy, already getting the advanced premium tax credit, you may get a bigger one. Now, I don't usually give financial advice, however... I've just asked you to use your common sense. Would you rather get the lower premium with certainty today or would you wait all the way until you file for taxes and hope for a bigger tax refund? Maybe, what, 12 months from today? Something like that. I'm going to leave that to the consumer to decide. That all said, um, you know, in addition to these lower rates, the, the fact of the matter is that if you have had a non-marketplace plan, you can move to the marketplace. And this is a very important thing. So let's just say, for example, you're 28 years old and you made enough money that you don't get a subsidy prior to the act. It can be the case that you now qualify for for financial assistance, but you'd have to move to this website or your state-specific website. It's important because it's subtle. It's subtle, but it is notable, which is that while you can get the tax credit, you may be able to get the tax credit, I should say, 
What's not clear is whether or not the money that you've already spent for healthcare services, let's say you've spent $500 for healthcare services towards your deductible. You will have to be very careful in examining whether or not you get this $500 credit. I'm going to tell you now that if you move from carrier one to carrier two, it's very unlikely if impossible. However, even within the same carrier, you may or may not be able to get credit for this $500 that you've used year to date. I like to tell people, and, and not, not that everyone's listening, right? Which is that I tell persons, there are reasons that you want to put up with an expert like me. And that is just a small example, right? In other words, I'm sharing information with you and details with you, hopefully at a level that you can see doesn't exist in other videos. Please like and subscribe to the channel. But the reality is, is that actually assisting across the finish line is an entirely another step. I've not posted videos about how to fill out the application. There's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that every person's different. Every last detail is different. Somebody's going to overgeneralize and they're going to throw rocks at me because, you know, I'm, a, I'm the one to blame. That's just our society. No, thank you. And in addition to that, I've got licenses and all these letters after my name to defend, which to protect. Okay. And you can understand that. And you can certainly understand the idea that someone is going to take the facts and the information that I say. And if too granular, what ends up happening is someone's going to distort it. Someone's going to misunderstand it. So many people who have followed the channel over these years, uh, you know that I am not a political person. I won't enter into a political debate. I try to keep away from political views, etc., for the purposes of this channel. I've got my own views, of course, but it's too distracting. And the fact of the matter is the grace of Medicare, health insurance, these, these are financial contracts. There's nowhere on any of these applications where they're asking you your political affiliation. However, today, what I'm going to do is take a look at this particular component of Biden's healthcare proposals, because he's looking to possibly change the health insurance markets in a very fundamental way, which includes something that is called the public option. And you can see here by the headline of this particular article, which comes from CNBC, key Democrats aim to craft a health care public option bill as Biden excludes it from recovery plans. And this is going to be a very short segment because this is going to be a pretty terse commentary here, which is while the first part of, the, of this byline or headline, I guess it's called, says that they're going to try to create a health care public option bill. Biden excludes it from recovery plans. The fact of the matter is the following, is that the public option, the way it would work, possibly work, is that for the people who are uninsured, yet another backup option, which is not Medicaid. 
Okay, so people who are below a particular income level as well as asset level, as determined by your state, they can qualify for Medicaid. That exists. Mm -hmm. However, though, there are people at different income and asset levels that do not qualify for Medicaid, yet are still uninsured. This has been the point of the ARP, the Affordable Care Act. For those persons where health insurance is still unaffordable, the, a public option would introduce another layer just above Medicaid. Okay. And for those persons, this would be at a lower price. Now, this is in theory, in theory, a maybe, a maybe. What I'm questioning here, what my question has always been from the time that the Democrats were trying to vie for the Democratic nomination is whether or not this is actually operationally feasible. Okay, so we've got political problems, issues, debates, fragmentation. You can see, you know, you don't have to be up on current events to understand we have a fragmented country. One of those is what role the government should play in our healthcare system, healthcare delivery system, and to what degree should it be intervening in health insurance markets? We'll get to you know, that fundamental distinction soon. The main thing here is that even if you got everyone on the same page about the government's role in the healthcare system, you need cooperation of other parties. Who are they? Doctors, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, insurance companies, just four. There are more. Don't be, you know, offended if I haven't named you, if you're, you know, a person who works at a skilled nursing facility care location. What I'm really saying here, though, is that the public option, you've got to get the buy-in, not necessarily from pharmaceuticals because they can be wrapped inside, but the real question is, is doctor, hospital, insurance company. The doctors and hospitals will be accepting a rate as, under this public option insurance. They're unlikely to like the rate that they would get. Why? Because the premiums would be much lower, which means the money's in there to pay for health care services would be therefore lower. I can tell you this is why you have doctors and certain hospitals not accepting Medicaid. Most hospitals accept Medicaid. There are a few that don't, and I've seen them. In addition, so if you can't get them to accept Medicaid, you're very unlikely to want to have those persons accept the public option. Now, can I be wrong there? Yeah, I could be wrong, right? I mean, there could be some like wave of doctors who say, look, we should accept anybody with any insurance whatsoever, period. Even if it's the public option at the lower rate, it's still better than uninsured. That would be true. That'd be true whether or not they would actually like it and endorse this, the mechanics though is different. The second layer of, of issues, operational issues, becomes that of the insurance companies. Because 
What isn't here, what I've not seen in print, not yet, is how, who's actually going to run the public option? Who's actually going to be the one who, who you know, counts the money and just creates these agreements with doctors and hospitals? This is all going on in the background, un, maybe unbeknownst to you. Maybe you don't know this is what's happening, but this is actually what you're doing, right? Which is that you're paying a premium for a particular health insurance plan. And then that health insurance plan then goes and negotiates the payment rates for your MRI, your x-ray, your blood test, your hospital stay, et cetera, et cetera. They're negotiating that separately, one by one. So now all of a sudden, let's say you're in the state of Arkansas, and now you have a public option in Arkansas. Who's actually going to go and, and have this conversation with all of the different doctors and hospitals throughout the state? The government? The government doesn't have that mechanism. It doesn't. So the fact of the matter is, is that too many details are too blurry here for me to suggest that the public option is operationally possible. So for now, until I see actual facts, details about who, how this would be administered, and I did actually mention a possible path in a, in a prior podcast, which was the audio-only version, which you can get on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, of a possible way but that's not been out in print. So for now, while this idea of public option will sit out here in the public debate, I probably call it improbable. I thought what we would do is start with the beginner's corner here. What you're seeing is a slide from Medicare ABCs, which is the name of the presentation that I give in public I'll be giving it to the State Bar of Michigan. I've given it to senior groups around the country. Ali, which is Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, you know, over something like 200 chapters around the country. I've probably presented it at 10% of them. But anyway, what back to this idea about why I wrote Maximizer Medicare, as well as why there is this channel and all the videos and the ongoing set of videos that aren't specifically about Medicare, my book, health insurance, because the reality is those are just simple examples of larger ideas. Let's get into what these ideas are. Number one, if I could repeat it as a message for the channel, I could almost rename the channel this way. Health insurance is not healthcare. Health insurance is not healthcare. Health insurance is a financial contract. End of story, right? There's a cost. There are benefits. There, in between the cost and benefits are a bunch of different terms and conditions. Those are laid down in writing, right? Just like any other contract. You sign a service contract with a plumber, there are terms and conditions on when the plumber is to perform and at what price. In the same way, that's the way that health insurance works. Health care is a different topic entirely. Right? This is what your doctor recommends to you. Yes, you know, 
Jack Daniels before 7 a.m., probably not a good idea from a healthcare perspective. Okay, these are two different items. You would not believe the number of times you mix them up. And from here, the ripple effects of the problems that are created start. I don't understand health insurance. Who do I ask? I ask my doctor. I tell people that's kind of like asking your auto mechanic whether or not Tesla stock is a buy. They're related because they kind of have auto, you know, Tesla auto company. Nevertheless, the expertise required to opine, to give you counsel, to give you guidance is really, really fundamentally different. When it comes to Medicare, when it comes to financial applying for anything, delaying any step can harm you. In other words, I always tell persons for Medicare, right, that the original Three months prior to the month that you turn 65 is your first enrollment date. That's the first day that you can approach Social Security Administration and apply for coverage to begin in three months. For our longstanding clients, they get an email from us on the, that exact first of that month. Not the second, not the third, the first. And the simple reason is red tape, right? the number of errors that can occur pretty long. You could fill out the form wrong. You could be locked out of your SSA.gov account. You could go into Social Security Administration, but the wait list is long to get an appointment. The person at SSA is having a bad day, tells you a wrong fact. When you send in your application for Medicare, Medicare Advantage, Medigap, they may ask for additional documentation. Three months can disintegrate quickly. That's my point. You're not getting more benefits, right? You're not getting a lower price as a result of delaying until the very last moment. The third one is the one that I've been spending a fair amount of time in the national media about, which is to say that silos are obsolete. It's unfortunate in my, in my profession, basically what ends up happening is that consumers believe that, okay, I've got a stock guy, I've got an insurance guy, right? The issue here is these are all under the greater umbrella of financial topics, of which there are many, many variations, right? Yes, there are financial markets. There's annuity, there's insurance, there's taxes, there's estate planning, for example, in someone's financial plan. And those are just, you know, the highlights. In the details, however, is when you're trying to keep these topics separate, certain topics cross over these two silos. And one is taxes. This is a very, very important aspect because at this point, under either the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, or under Medicare, there's a tax implication to the premiums that you would pay. So as a result, if you're looking at IRMA, which is the Medicare income adjustment for premiums, if you look at the Affordable Care Act, where the APTC is also affected by your taxable income, that too frequently... Somebody in your other silo, 
let's just call that stockbroker, isn't aware of these sensitivities. When this happens, the entire formulation of what's inside of your portfolio and how you get taxed on the cash flows of that portfolio, whether that be capital gains, whether it be dividends, interest, whether that be year-end distributions, that affects your taxable income, which can cross the silo, from this silo over to the next one and affect your premium. And what can end up happening is, yes, you've made some savings over here, just to give it all back plus over here. The reality is, as a person who has dealt at the highest level of financial markets on three continents, is the following, which is that I can find the mimicking portfolio over here without the implications over here if I simply understand the rules correctly. So basically what I'm telling you here is that these silos that you may have believed are different topics and be, should be handled separately might not be. The fourth point here is about Medicare rules as a whole. So I've written a book about maximize, called Maximize Your Medicare. I've appeared in all of these different locations. I can tell you that basically nobody under fully understands the rules. I get called by attorneys to, to when there's a very complicated situation to try to explain them to that person, to the attorney so that they can explain it to their clients. That said, once I don't want to be a, a you know, Debbie Downer, I guess David Downer, right? Which is that once you get beyond the rules, what drops out is the fact that the rules are actually in your favor for the most part. There are side doors, that extra exceptions that can actually give you enhanced flexibility. States may independently grant extra rights. And finally, you've got a very competitive world. There's 62 million, 63 million, 65 million, depending on who you ask. I haven't looked at the latest statistic. There are that many people who are currently Medicare eligible. What does that mean? That means the sellers, insurance companies know this. This is a publicly known fact. They also understand that it's highly competitive. They're fighting aggressively to win your business. For that reason, I'm telling you that combination of facts, that the rules are in your favor and that there's competition in your favor, that what actually drops out is in the buyer's favor as long as you understand the rules as they come. The last one here is one that you know, runs against human nature. And I understand all that, right? Which is that even if you're enrolled, you cannot set it and forget it. And this crosses a number of different financial topics. For example, in life insurance, in life insurance, what happens is, let's say you bought a life insurance policy, which you believe to be a universal life insurance policy, which would has a guaranteed lifetime, you know, extension. A writer is what it's called. That's all well and good, but in five years' time, let's say interest rates have not moved, 
in a particular way as projected, or, and also, in five years' time, you've stayed Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect, meaning no health situation, time has passed. What would this do? When you couple that with, again, intense competition, what you can have is the fact that your insurance policy that you bought 10 years ago can be obsolete. In Medicare, in health insurance, it's even more dramatic. Why is that? The reason is the price resetting mechanism is annual, period. Medicare Advantage, Part D, which is standalone prescription plan, every contract switches every year. There's no getting around it. When you add the fact that the competitors are competing this aggressively, you can have extra benefits. You could have a, a particular benefit which fits you best. It could even be an ancillary benefit. For example, let's just call it hearing aid assistance. Right? It can be a very high cost item. Two competitors so close, except for this competitor has a slightly better hearing aid benefit. That may be the reason to, to switch that alone. And this is a multiple hundred dollar, over a thousand dollars a year. It gets more dramatic, for example, if your prescription list changes. I can just tell you right now that it, when someone comes to me, when they've sit, set it and forget it for five years, and I see the, the plan that they've, they had five years ago, and they still have it today, it's almost a slam dunk that you've got an obsolete plan. And what's been left on the table isn't going to be $10 a year. It's going to be in the multiple thousands of dollars a year difference. This is just an example of the slide, and I've gone slowly here today. I'd have to go much quicker when we go into in, in live. These slides and the overall Medicare ABCs is available for replay on gh2unfiltered.com. It's a subscription site. I'll send you a copy of Maximize Your Medicare for free anywhere in the lower 48 states. You can see my entire presentation and here's to give you an idea on where it goes. Medicare ABCs covers this entire amount. We're working on it now. We're gonna be recording and posting it up only for access to GH2 unfiltered subscribers. Take a look. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Be sure to go to the website www.maximizeyourmedicare.com, which is newly enhanced. In addition to that, don't forget about gh2unfiltered.com. You can get a free copy of Maximize Your Medicare. I'll pay for postage anywhere in the lower 48 for new subscribers. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Speak with you next time.